0: Okay, everybody, Doug here, solo in the studio, and I wanted to do a podcast real quick on Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, which is technically a 2018 film that I don't think was released in the U.S. until 2019. This is a movie that I suspect you have probably heard about. You've probably seen the trailer either on YouTube or on Reddit or some social media, but you probably haven't seen the movie unless you really went out of your way to see it. It's playing in the U.S. in a very limited way, uh, the theater that I saw out, I had to go to a 9.40 a.m. show because it was essentially the only time that the theater was showing the movie that day. Um, on selected uh, pay streaming services, the movie is available for about 20 U.S. dollars as well. But again, it's pretty hard to see. <clears throat> so this is Peter Jackson's uh, documentary about World War I from the English perspective, um, the the movie, as you probably are aware, uh, has made aggressive and extensive use of um, black and white period film that is soundless. Um, and uh, Peter Jackson, using his uh, pretty extensive team of uh, technicians, plus people he brought in around the world to New Zealand, um, has really uh, transformed this footage really by uh, cleaning it up and colorizing it and adding sound. Um, When people hear the term that film is colorized, it often connotes or brings up to mind uh, really bad colorizing work done in the 80s and 90s. This this in no way resembles that. This is an incredibly impressive colorization process that they went through where they were color matching uh, actual World War I clothing, physical objects, etc. Sometimes they went to the locations where the The film was shot a hundred years before to look at the color of the dirt and the grass so that they could get it right. Um, there's a lot of um, technical wizardry that I'll talk about in a little bit, but you know this is a very personal experience uh, in the sense that this is very much World War I in France, along the Eastern Front. Uh, from the perspective of an English soldier, uh, usually a very, very young soldier. There's actually much uh, much is made of the fact that a very large proportion of the English soldiers were too young to go and simply lied about their age and the government looked the other way because they needed manpower. And there's no shortage of people saying that they enlisted into the army at the age of 15 because they felt like it was a great adventure and they didn't want to miss out on it. Uh, the early part of the film showing lead into the war and a lot of the recruitment of the soldiers uh, and their initial training is shown in black and white. And then the film transitions to color when they arrive in France. Uh, And then it transitions back to black and white at the end of the movie. Much of the movie is presented as pretty harrowing stuff. You definitely get the sense that, you know, when they were over in England uh, doing their training and they were safe and they were running around and doing all sorts of physical exercises. It was all great fun, and then very, very quickly when they get over to France, and especially when they get to the front lines, the harrowing reality of World War I is really brought home to the soldiers very, very quickly. Um, there is a lot of footage of the soldiers in trenches and in the back lines. There's very little footage of actual combat, probably because the cameras couldn't be transported easily onto the battlefield, and or the risk to the cameraman was too great. Uh, they just would have gotten shot. Um, there's extensive use of uh, footage of uh, soldiers smiling, being happy, uh, goofing around in the, in the rear. And this is often contrasted sharply with uh, photos or, or, or for film of, of people being killed horrifically. Um, the trenches are meant and shown to be very, very brutal extreme places to be, and the soldiers were rotated in and out for a few days at a time. Um, the At the end of the film, uh, if you stay after the credits, Peter Jackson, who comes on before the movie and gives a little bit of narration, appears at the end of the movie, he does about a 15-minute mini-documentary about how they made it. Um, And I almost found that as interesting as the documentary itself. Um, Because the film had no sound, they had to recreate everything from scratch, including all the Foley work and the background noises. Um, I've talked a little bit about the color work that they had to do. Uh, One thing that's truly amazing, and this has been done in a couple of contexts before, is they hired forensic lip readers to uh, watch the films and figure out exactly what the people were saying. And then they hired people from England who came from the same towns as the regiments that they were showing came from to get the accents correct, and then they had them re-overdub the lines. And again, much of what they say is actually pretty banal stuff, but it's, it's certainly miraculous to hear these hundred-year-old words spoken by foot soldiers again today. Um, I thought that was some of the most impressive work in the film, really, was the the forensic lip-reading work. If anyone's interested, as a side note, Nova uh, did a special a couple years ago uh, where they did forensic lip-reading of Hitler's home movies. Same exact idea where they were able to sort of reconstruct his words just from his uh, silent home movies. Um, one thing that's super interesting to me on a technical level is that you know, you can't have uh, a sound in movies until you can synchronize an audio track with the picture. The cameras used in World War One were hand-cranked affairs. Um, so because they were hand-cranked affairs, the f- the frame rate varied, right? Most modern movies use 24 frames per second. Uh, these uh, World War One movies varied anywhere from 10 to 20 frames per second, and the rate of frames per second was not constant. It assumed that the cameraman could turn a crank at an exact uh, fixed rate, which is unlikely. So there's, there's really interesting stuff that they had to do was one was they had to adjust the frame rates both up or down to get them right. And there's a really interesting bit where they show if you got the frame rate just a little too fast or a little too slow, it just didn't look right and your eye really could pick it up that it was a problem. But when they were able to get the frame rate just right, all of a sudden, the movement seemed natural and modern, and it didn't look like you were watching, you know, a Charlie Chaplin uh, film, you know, from a million years ago. What's also interesting too is because you know if if something is filmed at ten or twelve frames per second, and they want to speed it up to twenty four frames per second, you can't just do that without having it look too fast or the timing look wrong. So what they did is they created digital transition frames to help go between. Uh, the, the actual frames essentially filling in the gap so that they would have enough frames to run at a normal speed. I mean, the amount of work that went into this thing is just mind boggling. Um, Something else that's super interesting to me is, that, is how many of the men are sort of transfixed or hypnotized by the camera. Uh, as the camera is panning over the soldiers, the most common reaction of the soldiers is just to stare at it. There's actually one bit where a guy is so flummoxed by the fact that he's actually seeing a movie camera film him that he, he completely trips and falls into a hole. Um... Jackson talks about that in his little bit at the end because you know most of them had seen a still camera before. Probably for most of these people, they'd never seen a movie camera before, and it was so novel that they actually essentially stopped what they were doing and just stared at the cameraman. It, it, it makes what you see a little bit atypical, but it also makes what you see extremely interesting. In the movie, Jackson is really not so much trying to tell the story of World War I. Um He's not really following any particular person, Um, he's just trying to give you a sense of the arc of what the average soldier might have experienced from their training through the war and on the return home, and as many aspects or facets of that as possible. Uh, One thing that they just touch on that you could almost make an entire other documentary about is the fact that when the soldiers returned home, um, they faced rampant unemployment Um, and perhaps not the most warm welcome that they uh, would have liked upon their return to England. Something else that isn't really discussed, too, is how shortly after World War I we end up in the Great Depression. So the soldiers survived all this calamity, only to come home to unemployment and financial catastrophe. Um, If you watch period shows... Uh, that take place in that era, they often have an angle on that or focus on that. And, for example, just off the top of my head, Mr. Selfridge comes to mind, which has several episodes that focus on what happens to soldiers when they return from World War I and can't find employment. Anyway, um, this is beyond doubt um, worth a watch. Um, It's a very moving and emotional documentary. It's not dry. Um, They have literally taken this 100-year-old footage and made it seem modern and fresh and new. But nothing you see um, is uh, newly created. It's just been sort of worked on and digitized and modernized. So all the footage that you see um, is 100 years old. Um, As I said, you may have to work a little bit to see this. Uh, Like I said, I had to look around a fair bit to find a theater in my area that was showing it, and it was one show a day at an odd hour. Um, And the theater was practically deserted. But again, I'm extremely glad that I saw this on the big screen. Um, definitely uh, worth a shot. Uh, this is something that I had looked forward to seeing for a long time, and I was glad that I was finally able to do it. Um, if anyone is interested in World War One it's definitely worth a look. If you know nothing about World War I, which is probably true for a lot of people, it's definitely worth a look because it will really open your eyes onto a conflict and a period in history that maybe you know nothing about. You know, there's a million World War Two movies and we've all sort of grown up, immersed in World War II lore and television shows and movies and things like that. But there's very little on World War I that we have uh, sort of in the popular consciousness today that has caught on. So this is, I think... Whether you're interested in World War I or not, this is a great window into that period and might, maybe would spurn you to read other books or see other movies about it. Anyway, that's my take on um, They Shall Not Grow Old. Uh, definitely worth a look if you can find it. Hopefully you can see it in the theater on the big screen uh, where I think it is probably better off to be seen. But as I said, if you can't, it's available on some pay streaming services and will be on uh, video soon. Thanks, guys.